This episode of the Mountaineer Media Podcast is sponsored by Mr. B, the only potato chip made in the great state of West Virginia. Check out their products in your local grocery store or online at mrb.com. Hey everybody, Cooper here. Generally on the Mountaineer Media Podcast, we share stories about current day West Virginians and the good work that they're doing in their communities around the state and the world for that matter. Today, we take a step back in time and revisit one of the oldest and not well-known mysteries in West Virginia. Now, although this story predates 1863, which is the founding of West Virginia, it does take place in parts of modern day West Virginia, namely Moundsville in the greater Wheeling area. The Gravediggers of Moundsville is about the history of the slave owning family who founded Moundsville, their infamous role in the development of the Underground Railroad, and the mysterious Grave Creek Stone that still sits atop of the center of a 200 year old controversy. This will be a two part audio series expanding on a piece already on our website, mountaineermedia.org. Our executive producer, Mason Jack, is the author and lead researcher of this piece. Now, this story is narrated by our co-host, CJ Harvey. After this two-part miniseries, CJ and I will talk with Mason about why he decided to tell this story and the links that he went to to accurately research this historical tale. So let's get to it, The Gravediggers of Moundsville, Part 1. It's an autumn morning in the forested foothills of Western Virginia. The year is 1770 and three English colonists are exploring along the Ohio River through untouched parts of the territory. They're looking for food and potential land to settle their families. For anyone living in the 21st century, the backdrop would be something of fantasy. Lush forests unchanged by the logging boom set to plague the area a century later, the water still fresh and unharmed by human ignorance and chemicals. The three travelers are brothers, Joseph, Samuel, and James Tomlinson. The slave-owning frontiersmen from Maryland have traveled great lengths to find a new suitable home in these hills. On this morning, though, they're hunting for the ever-present white-tailed deer. But what they find in these western Virginia hills is something few others have seen, something they would consider unnatural. As they hike through the heavy brush, they stumble onto what appears to be a giant hill of dirt. A mound of earth, if you will. Unbeknown to them, this land they thought had been untouched was the center of prehistoric culture. Little did they know the Adena had moved 60,000 tons of earth to build what would be the group's most prominent fixture in America. 
the Tomlinson brothers, who have no idea what they've just gotten themselves into, have stumbled into the now famous Grave Creek Mound at the center of what's soon to be Moundsville, West Virginia. By 1772, after finding this unique landmark, the Tomlinson clan constructed their first cabin just a few hundred feet from the mound. They went on to claim over a thousand acres of land near the location. However, the brothers' declaration of land was halted when a 50-year-old, confident military veteran swept through and announced the Virginia Assembly required parts of the new ground because of its prime location on the Ohio River a spot that would play a vital role in the upcoming Revolutionary War. The Tomlinsons, of course, were forced to oblige, and they really didn't want to pick a fight with this up-and-coming military commander who was about to become the most famous man in the country, possibly even the world. The man was George Washington. And as a result, the Tomlinsons' original claim of more than a thousand acres shrunk significantly. Still, they retained land in present-day Wood, Ohio, and Marshall counties, but the brothers saw major changes to their environment over the next couple of years. With the land now under partial military control, their family cabin just a few hundred feet away from the mound all of a sudden was surrounded by a stockade barrier and dubbed Fort Tomlinson. The garrison would be critical in supplying and barracking revolutionary soldiers during the upcoming war. The Tomlinsons themselves had very little to do with the upcoming Revolutionary War, and ultimately they were forced off of their established settlement because of dangerous conditions. Shortly after the war started, Native Americans, fighting on behalf of the British and the Crown, burned down parts of Fort Tomlinson. The family would inevitably return to that discovered land by 1785, and it wasn't until after the Revolutionary the Tomlinsons began earning a reputation. But as we learn over time, its notoriety gained from exploitation of people and lack of empathy towards anyone who disobeyed. Cooper, you know they say variety is the spice of life. And Ray's Rub... It only makes sense, has 21 mouth-watering herbs and spices. Talk about variety, 21, man, that's, uh, you, you can't beat that. And when it comes to seasoning your meats and veggies, Ray's Rub is certainly the way to go. Absolutely, and guys, it can be applied to anything. If you go to RaysRub.com or shop on Amazon, you can get a bottle of Ray's Rub. We had the founder, Brody Prudnick, on the podcast. It's an awesome story. His father, his late father, started this business, and Brody is carrying it on. Ray's Rub can be applied to anything, right? Beef, chicken, wild game, casserole, stew, the list goes on and on. It's your call. They promise that once you try it, it's going to be the only seasoning that you want to buy. RaysRub.com. CJ, when I needed an engagement ring, I knew it was important to me that I shop at a West Virginia business. So I checked out Calvin Broyles in Charleston and they blew me away. They are West Virginia's only third generation family owned and operated jewelry business. And they continue to honor their traditions of security, confidence, and guidance when helping folks pick out jewelry gifts in the great state of West Virginia. 
Yeah, and you don't have to be just in Charleston to find them. They do have their location in the capital city, but they're also in Taze Valley and Beckley. You can also find them at calvinbroils.com. That's calvinbroils.com. Twenty years after the war, now settled and comfortable on their land, the Tomlinsons gathered more than 300 slaves. The men and women were forced to toil on farms and earn the family money by harvesting cash crops. Of course, at the time of this tale, slavery was very much legal in the newly formed state of Virginia, now that we're after the Revolutionary War, but it had to be absolutely maddening for the slaves working on the Tomlinson farm because of what was only a few hundred yards away. Every day when those slaves peered across the daunting Ohio River, they saw the land of the free. Ohio had only recently abolished slavery, and the state government started putting shackles on any white slave owner who didn't follow that new law. This legislation also gave way to those wanting to help slaves escape by allowing people to develop safe havens for many of those runaway slaves. But of course, these locations were kept under tight lips. Two slaves who'd become so fed up with the Tomlinson's awful treatment even attempted an escape in 1805. One of their names is lost to history, but the story gets interesting with the other, known as Mike. Mike was born and raised on the Tomlinson farm alongside both slave children and free children, including one of the Tomlinson's sons, Robert. Of course, you can only imagine what it must have been like as a slave child raised alongside one of the master's children. But from what we know, Robert had no trouble looking past color and status, and he treated Mike with respect as if he were just another brother. We'll revisit that story here in just a minute. When it came to the Ohio River, it was more than just a backdrop for the enslaved working on its banks. It also served as a massive hurdle preventing them from freedom. Most every slave up and down the Virginia border of the Ohio River knew what awaited on the other end, and one of those sites belonged to a free man, William Craig, who owned a farm on the banks of the river just about 30 miles from the Tomlinson's farm. Mike and the other slave, hoping to race to freedom, decided to commandeer a canoe and paddle upriver to Craig's in the middle of the night. Somehow, nobody saw them, and once they got there, Craig said that they were welcome to stay as long as they liked, now that they were free men. But as you can imagine, their stay was abrupted in the near future. If you're looking for a job in West Virginia, or if you're a small business that's looking to hire 10, 15, heck, maybe 50 employees, well, then you have to talk to our friends at Mountaineer Employment Solutions. Yeah, Bill Carter is the president and CEO of MES, and they've got two locations, Charleston and Morgantown, but they are looking for people to fill jobs all over the state of West Virginia. So make sure to check them out, beamountaineer.com, beamountaineer.com. If you're looking to buy, sell, rent, flip, or finance real estate projects in Southern West Virginia, you gotta talk to our friends, Jordan Christ and Jacob Skinner at Building Appalachia. Buildingappalachia.com is the website. We had Jordan and Jacob both on the podcast. Great dudes, they want to make West Virginia beautiful. That is their entire MO. They are going through beautification projects and 
Kanawha, Putnam, and Cabell County. So if you're looking to live in one of those places, they can hook you up, man. So make sure to go check them out at buildingappalachia.com. Tell them Mountaineer Media sent you. Even though the former slaves were just 30 miles from their old farm, the two felt safe enough to be in the presence of occasional visitors. Unfortunately, not all of those visitors were willing to keep their secret. One of the men traveling south after a stop on the Craig farm passed on the whereabouts of the two former slaves when he ran into the Tomlinsons just 30 miles downriver. Immediately, Tomlinson gathered his crew, including Robert, and headed up the river to retrieve their missing property. When Craig saw the Tomlinsons coming, he shouted a warning at the two runaways, and they fled on foot. Through the brush on the outskirts of Craig's farm, the two bolted as fast as they could to escape their chasing captors. I'm sure their lives were flashing before their eyes in this moment. Just because they were in Ohio certainly didn't mean they were guaranteed protection if captured. And unfortunately for them both, Robert Tomlinson was pretty fleet-footed, catching up to the two, tackling Mike, and injuring him with the butt of his rifle. The other runaway escaped with his life. That's probably why we never learned his name. As Mike and Robert tussle on the ground throwing punches and knees, the two who'd known each other their entire lives were now in a power struggle. Slave versus slave owner. And unless he did something drastic, Mike knew exactly how this was going to go. In a final effort to escape, he unsheathed the hidden knife and stabbed Robert in his side. Of course, this far out from the farm, there was little anyone could do to save the young Tomlinson. Robert quickly bled out and died in front of Mike. Even worse, Mike was still unable to escape the grasp of the Tomlinson company, which subsequently captured and dragged him away. The Tomlinsons made sure to let everyone know that Mike would endear the wrath of the family who, once again, owned him. And shortly after the capture, still in Ohio, the Tomlinsons lit a fire and held Mike over the embers. They used his screams of pain and suffering as a form of reconciliation for the loss of Robert. And as a way of letting everybody know that the Tomlinsons meant business, they left Mike's remains unburied and scattered around the area. But if there was a mistake the Tomlinsons made, it was killing Mike within the boundaries of Ohio. Witnesses of Mike's murder reported it to county officials, and after a coroner found Mike's remains, the Ohio governor tried to extradite the Tomlinsons to stand trial. But as was standard at the time, slave states didn't exactly cooperate with free states, and the Virginia governor denied the request. And although the Tomlinsons got away with murder, Mike's death didn't go overlooked. And ultimately, it served as a critical moment for the birth of the most extensive organized escape plan in American history, the Underground Railroad. there was another group persecuted in the 1800s as much as African Americans, it was Native Americans. They were described as unintelligent savages who provided very little value to the greater good of the newly formed United States of America. But as the area around the Grave Creek Mound expanded, the Natives' intelligence and artistic competence would be put under the microscope, 
when the first ever excavation into the dirt would uncover one of the most unique and mysterious pieces of art in the world. But here's the question. Was it designed by the natives or faked and planted as a way to attract tourists? Thanks for listening to part one of The Grave Diggers of Moundville, which is an expanded version of a story already on our website, mountaineermedia.org, by the executive producer of the Mountaineer Media podcast, Mason Jack. Part two will be heading your way on Thursday, July 28th. And not only will we have the conclusion, but CJ and I, we're going to interview Mason about why he decided to tell this story and the research that he went to to make it happen. So make sure to stick around. If you are listening to this and maybe you have a story that you would like us to turn into this audio presentation as it pertains to West Virginia, make sure to send us those ideas. All you got to do is probably send us a DM on one of our social media sites, or you can email us at mountaineermediapodcast at gmail.com. That's mountaineermediapodcast at gmail.com. And as always, if you have other guest recommendations for the podcast where we interview influential West Virginians, please feel free to share them. We would love to connect with them. Most of our interviews actually come from referrals, so we truly, truly do appreciate that. We'll try to get them on the schedule here at the Mountaineer Media Podcast. Thank you all for listening. We wish you a fabulous day. Check out mountaineermedia.org for the latest content. You can sign up for our newsletter. We wish you a fabulous, fabulous day. See you later.